You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says this, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Oh, we have to be so careful. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, you can either build up or tear down. That's how powerful what we say is. Today, Pastor J.D. discusses the power of words and how they might be used to build someone up or to tear them down. Have you ever caught yourself gossiping about something you heard through the grapevine? How do you know that what you heard is true? Pastor J.D. warns you to be careful of speaking about things you haven't witnessed for yourself. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 52, today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You know, I was thinking about this, this last week, actually, how it is that God takes it very seriously when there's the spreading of discord. And it hit me that that was what happened in heaven when Lucifer started that campaign in heaven, and it split heaven. The discord that spread because of what he said. What did he say? I will ascend my throne above the Most High. And all of a sudden now, you had discord and division, so much so that a third of the angels were cast down with Lucifer out of heaven. So God himself was on the receiving end of this, and that's why he takes it so seriously, because look what it did. (laughs) By the way, this is why we're going to have the new heavens and the earth. Why do we have to have the new heavens and the new earth? Because sin entered heaven vis-a-vis Lucifer first in this way. And this is why it is so serious. It's so deadly. Proverbs 21 verse 23 says this, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Oh, we have to be so careful. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, you can either build up or tear down. That's how powerful what we say is the words that we speak, and what comes out of our mouth. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, Jesus said. It's what comes out of his mouth. And out of the abundance of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what's in somebody? Listen to what comes out of them. That's what's in them. Out of the abundance of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can kill with the tongue. You can kill with the tongue. First Peter chapter 3 verse 10, for whoever would love life and see good days 
must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. You know, one of the things about lying is that the devil is the father of lies. I've heard it said this way, that you're never more like the devil than when you lie. Think about that. Jesus said, you're, you're speaking your, your father's language, your native tongue. It's, that's your father's tongue. He, he's the father of lies. And you're speaking that language, that deceitful wickedness and that deceitful evil. First Timothy 5.19, I want to end with this one for a reason, if you'll just indulge me for a second. This is a biggie. Paul's writing to Timothy as a pastor of a church, and he says this, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Didn't we just come out of one of the, I mean, most grievous demonstrations of being guilty until proven innocent? right? Um, I, I'm not trying to wax political here. Actually, this is biblical here. The presumption of innocence, that's biblical. So when, when did it become, you're guilty and the burden of proof is on you because now someone, just one person, not two or three, have just levied an accusation against you and you're guilty. You've heard the, uh, I hate to use it, but it's, it's apropos. How about this one? You've heard it said when somebody says to a guy, hey, are you still beating your wife? Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? You will never look at that guy the same again. As far as you're concerned, just because one person said what they said with their ugly tongue, they just started a whole forest fire. Because now that guy beats his wife just because you said it. Now he's guilty. And now the burden of proof is on him to prove that he's innocent. How are you going to prove you're innocent? Oh my goodness, in your mind, you've already been judge and jury, and you pronounced a verdict. The verdict is in. Guilty as charged. And what Paul is saying here is, listen, if somebody brings an accusation against an elder, against a pastor, you better have two or more witnesses. I mean, we're talking eyewitnesses eyewitnesses that can testify. Because if you don't have two or three witnesses and somebody levies an accusation, it's done. You don't entertain it. And you don't repeat it. Isn't that what we do? I, I had somebody, this I'm talking about on the mainland, I, I'm very careful, when, especially when it comes to this, but on the mainland, this uh, true story. I had somebody come to me and, and bring an accusation against one of my staff members. And <laughs> this is not my first rodeo, right? So my response to them was, oh really, have you talked with them? No, I thought I'd better come to you. Oh really? Uh, has anybody else uh, seen that which you're accusing my staff member of doing? No. What are you doing? And I 
took him to 1 Timothy 5.19. I also took him to some other places in Scripture. And so let me, let me be very clear with what, what you're about to do here. You can and have the potential to destroy this man's life by what you just did. Okay, well, but uh, I heard. Oh, really? You heard it? And you didn't go to him to see if it's even true? And you, and you bring it to me? How many other people have you brought it to? Hey, you know, just between you and me, I heard that so-and-so did such and thus. <gasps> you heard that? Really? So then what, what are you going to do? Well, then you go to somebody else and go, hey, you know what I heard? I heard that so-and-so did such and thus. Oh, the enemy is throwing a party. The enemy can take the whole week off because you're doing his work for him and instead of him. He's the author of confusion. He's the accuser of the brethren. Pastor, why are you so worked up? Because I've seen people's lives destroyed. I've seen people that are not even walking with the Lord anymore, and they used to be on fire for the Lord. I've seen the kids of these people. They want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with the Lord. They'll never step foot in a church because of this. That's why it's so serious. And it all started with an accusation that was not based in reality. And it started to spread. And the next thing you know, this guy's reputation was destroyed. Some had to leave, uproot, and move far away and start over, all over, because of a false accusation. Just one accusation by one ugly tongue of a doeg. I'll tell you, Psalm 51 is in our Bibles for a reason. 1 Samuel 22, the detailed account, I mean it's really graphic detail. And this is not just something that we read in our Bibles. I want you to picture this scene of this doeg taking a sword and systematically one by one killing 85 priests. Imagine the blood spilling on the dirt. Imagine them falling to their death, so needlessly, all because of this tongue. All because of the deceitfulness of the tongue. And they drop one by one, there on the ground. I wonder uh, how much of the blood of these priests were on the hands and even the garments worn by this dog. I wonder how long it took. No, I think in those terms. I, wa- I wonder, did Doeg enjoy it? Was he laughing as he did it? What was Saul doing? Was he sitting there in the shade of the tree? Enjoying it? That's what you get for hiding David. Conspiring with David against me, that's what you get. And by the way, did you notice the the detail when Ahimelech is responding and trying to defend himself to Saul? He says, me and my father's house. 
And then what does Saul say? You're dead and your father's house. His family too. His children. His parents if they were still alive. The house of Ahimelech. His entire family. All because of this deceitful tongue. Well, pastor, you're kind of over-dramatizing it, aren't you? No. No, I'm not. You think about how much blood, innocent blood, is shed at the hands of the Doegs in the church today. Psalm 53. This is to the chief musician. It's set to Mahalath, apparently the name of the song. I'm sure it was a popular download on iTunes back in the day. It's a contemplation of David. Verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God, verse 2, looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Have the workers of iniquity, verse 4, no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon God. There they are in great fear, where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame, because God has despised them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion, when God brings back the captivity of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, and Israel be glad. So, Psalm 53 with the exception of a few different phrases, is virtually identical to Psalm 14 as it relates to the folly of man who says in his heart, there is no God. Notice in verse 3 where David says, everyone has turned aside and there is none who does good. Why do I point that out? Because every Sunday at the end of every prophecy update we actually quote this psalm when we share the gospel, because Paul is actually quoting from Psalm 53 as well as Psalm 14 in the book of Romans. Let me just read Romans 3 verses 10 through 12. He says, as it is written, written in the Psalms, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. He's quoting Psalm 53 in his epistle to the Romans. There's something else I want to point out in this psalm, and it's elsewhere in the Psalms, and I usually like to draw our attention to it, because in verse 6 we have this reference to Jesus as the Savior 
of man. David declares, oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. He's anticipating the coming deliverer and desires that God's people be joyful and rejoice in this coming Savior, Jesus the Christ, who by the way would come from the Lion of the tribe of Judah, from David himself, from David's lineage. It's interesting when God says to David, you've got too much blood on your hands, you're a man of war, you are not going to build the temple. Your son, Solomon, will end up building the temple. But I have something that I'm going to build with you. You're going to build the house from which the Savior of the world will come. That's why in the Gospels, in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the son of David. The son of David. I think if David had his choice between having the Savior of the world come from him, or having him build the temple, that's where I come from. They call that a (laughs) no-brainer. Oh Lord, the Savior of the world is going to come from my lineage. Yeah. Oh God, you're too good. You're too good. Psalm 54. This is to the chief musician. We got some intense psalms tonight, so again, just kind of hang in there. This is a contemplation of David. This time when the Ziphites went and said to Saul, is David not hiding with us? I mean, you know, poor David, right? First is this Doeg, and then now it's this, uh, the, the Ziphites that go to Saul and say, is David not hiding with us? So now here's the psalm that David wrote about this experience, an event in his life. He says, verse 1, Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. Verse 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. Again, notice the shift. He goes about from talking about them and what they did to him to talking to God about what he's going to do to them. Verse 6, I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. Again, very interesting psalm. It's a psalm about vengeance. And it's a psalm about vengeance being the Lord's. It's the Lord who repays. It's God who repays those who betrayed David and rose up against David. And notice again, this is another one of those Psalms where David starts out and he's just pleading with God for help. And by the time you get to the end of the Psalm, and it's a relatively short Psalm, David's whole tune has changed, so to speak. He's, he's actually praising and thanking God in advance for what he knows God will do by faith, yet future. God hasn't done it yet. I mean, he's, he's pleading with the Lord. 
Lord, save my life. These people are out to take my life. That's how the psalm starts. And then just in a few short verses, all of a sudden he's saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for doing it. Wait, David, he hasn't done it yet. No, no, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. No, he will do it. No, none of this. I hope you'll do it, Lord. I believe you'll do it, Lord. No, Lord, thank you for doing it. You're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. I'm on the right side of this. And what they've done to me, you'll take care of it. I leave it to you. You'll have the final word on what they've done. We're going to talk a little bit more about vengeance here with Psalm 55. Now, this is to the chief musician, and again it's a contemplation of David. Verse 1, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. This is a very emotional psalm. Verse 3, he says why. Why does he moan noisily? Why is he restless in his complaint? Why is he begging God to hearken unto the voice of his cry and give ear to his prayer? Because, verse 3, of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Stop right there. You know, it's, it's so easy when, and, and really even in the Psalms, when you read a verse, you just read the words off the page of your Bible. But listen to what he just said here. He just said that he's in so much emotional pain, and he is in sheer terror that he's going to die that death is certain and inevitable. And this is why he cannot rest. I, I picture him, have you ever been so fearful, which is what he says in verse 5, fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. These are not just poetic words penned in this psalm. This is how he felt. This is what he was experiencing, literally trembling, shaking in fear. David? Yes, David. Is that okay? Yeah. I think about what Oswald Chambers said. He said, God never faults a man for despair. God never holds it against us. I mean, throughout all of Scripture, those who were in such fear were in good company. It's, it's no wonder that even in the Gospels, Jesus would say repeatedly to the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. 
know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there, or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 